everyone, and welcome to our first ever podcast for the Tools for Life program. We're here today with Houston Kirby, who's going to share a little bit about his own story and his journey. Um, so to start, Houston, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, my name is uh, Houston Kirby. I am a 26-year member out of a local 243 in Champaign, Illinois. Um, I've spent 23 years in the field and became a business rep back in 2019. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story with us. Um, to start off, do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about your experience growing up? Sure. Um, you know, I came from a, a working class family. Uh, both my parents, they worked full time, um, trying to support three kids. Uh, they were younger parents, of course, um, learning themselves um, on how to be parents. My father, uh, of course, you know, he was an alcoholic, uh, suffered from some drug use, um, kind of had off and on jobs throughout my childhood. Um, my mom was a janitor and a bus driver for the local school we attended. Um, and uh, like I said, just a middle class family, um, you know, trying to do the best we could. Yeah. And how would you say that your experiences as a child impacted you as you've grown up and now here later in your life? Well, I think it, it, it set presence of, of things to come for future um, in my life. Um, I experienced a lot growing up in our household. Um, you know, I feel like my father was kind of the, uh, the the closet drinker where you didn't really see his exposure of his drinking until he was drunk or until he was um, under the influence. So we had a lot of that um, of unsure, you know, what his uh, mood would be in nightly, daily, um, and that was routine. Uh, uh, really grew up in a household where love and support was kind of hard to find because both parents were working um, and the kids kind of fended for themselves, so to speak. Uh, we did the family vacations. We've done the things we could do to get by and, and try to be a family. But ultimately, uh, when both parents were working and you had um, some issues with substance abuse, it caused a lot of uh, chaos in the family. Um, so... That love and support wasn't there growing up. Um, I believe that my parents done the best they could, um, being as young as they were trying to raise us. But uh, ultimately, um, they divorced when I was 12. And uh, of course, that left me. Um, all of us, uh, the three of us, ended up uh, spending time with my mom. She supported us uh, being a single mom. Um, and my father became more violent um, with stalking. Um, degrading the family and the local town we grew up in um, really made it hard for my mom to raise us um, and when i was in sixth grade attending class one morning um, was um, uh, told by my principal at the school that our house was on fire um, unfortunately we at the time didn't know what caused that because we weren't living there um, we were living with family members, but it was my father who um, had had caused this. Um, I was close to my father. I was probably closer than uh, than the other kids for some reason, being the youngest. Um, but he managed to leave a note and explain that he was sorry for what he'd done, 
but he let me know that he was going to be in a certain place and that um, he could, uh, I could be reached at any time, but he took off out of state basically. So um, of course, throughout all this, I'm dealing with being a, a sixth grader, 12 years old, um, dealing with the fact that I knew where my father was at and that, you know, the FBI, the, the state fire marshals, all these people were looking for him for um, charging him with arson. And I had to choose to tell where he was at and possibly send him away to prison or make the decision to not. Um, and so it was very hard for me at 12 years old to face that fact that, you know, I'm going to be the one putting away my dad, um, you know, in prison for what he had done to our home. But I did make the decision to uh, turn him in where they later found him and um, he did serve 10 years, um, got out after four. Uh, we continued to um, stay close. Um, I helped take care of him. He was homeless, uh, did the best I could for him. But ultimately in my 20s, um, later on down the road in my 20s, uh, he had left and I haven't seen him since. So that, that feeling of abandonment started that day when I had to um, basically turn against my father. So it's really hard. Yeah, um, it's really tough. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, do you say that your relationship with your parents has affected you now as an adult? And, and how would you say that's been an impact? I think um, my relationship with my parents really was the start of the insecurities in life. I feel like um, the fact that, you know, they were doing the best they could do um, really wasn't giving the attention to us kids and what we needed in our lives. But um, I don't hold that against them. I feel like, you know, when you're young, uh, you don't really know um, and you try to learn the best you can. Um, so I don't blame them for that on any part. Yeah, I understand that, certainly. Um, sure. You had disclosed previously that you did have um, some issues with alcohol yourself in your 20s that started around that time frame. Um, how would you describe the impact of alcohol on you? Well, I think that was the easiest choice at the time. You know, when you're in your, um, you know, you're you're getting out of high school, you have no direction, um, and of course, that's the easy out, right? Um, so I, I would say through my 20s and early 30s, um, I was faced with the fact that I didn't want to deal with my, you know, the insecurities, the um, um, the uh, the insecurities, the uh, unknown, sort of speak. So alcohol was an easy fix. Um, and uh, I thought that it was making me a better person, sort of speak. Mm -hmm. Because it gave me some friends. It gave me some people to be around and all that. So, yeah, I feel like it's one of those things that sort of it can be used sort of as a mask sometimes. Sure. sure. Um, you did also say that you had um, some really exciting news in your 20s. You had your daughter when you were 25. What was that like for you? Uh, my daughter changed my world. Uh, uh, gave me gave me the direction, but uh, I was still fighting the uh, alcohol and depression. Uh, 
I wanted to give her uh, the best I could. And uh, I was young. I married when I was young. So um, to see a, a person come through, that was a part of me um, that you couldn't take back. Uh, and I wanted to do the best that I could for her. And I knew my past and I knew what I didn't want her to have to go through. Um, but I still dealt with a lot and uh, and still deal with a lot. Um, but uh, it did definitely change um, the values and what I was goal setting um, for the future. Absolutely. I apologize. <laughs> no, nothing to apologize for. I mean, I, I get it. I'm sure that, you know, with the childhood you had, it was, you know, a big deal for you to be a really great father. And sure. it sounds like you have been. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's all you can do is keep trying, right? Sure. Um, would you say that some of those, you know, feelings of abandonment and that kind of thing, that that impacted your relationships, your marriage, things like that? Well, you know, um, I was just, we, we fall back on, I was young, um, still dealing with alcohol issues, still dealing with insecurities on my first marriage. And I had my daughter uh, through my first marriage. Um, but ultimately, um, those abandonment issues, I didn't want my daughter to face that. So I felt like, you know, after uh, her mother and I divorced that I needed somebody to be in her life and felt like mm -hmm. that's the only thing she needed is to have a female person in her life. And I felt like maybe I could deal with my inner demons after the fact and, and, and find somebody that would love her as much as I did. And Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of grasping for straws and maybe made the wrong decisions. I don't blame any of the people that I've been married to. Of course, I'm 46 years old now with three marriages. So that's another tough thing to have to um, throw at my daughter that she's um, been close to three different people in her life. And uh, so that's a mistake that I'm growing from and learning from every day um, to just focus on myself and, and her, you know, and moving forward. Definitely. Um, and it was in your 20s as well that you first joined the Carpenters Union, correct? Yeah, I actually, um, in, in school, we had a building and trades program um, in high school, and we built a house a year. From the ground up, all the kids were able to do block. They could do the plumbing. They could do about anything. And it really um, sparked an interest to me. I wasn't for sure what side I was going to go in. Um, you know, we've done it all. So wasn't for sure if it was going to be the plumbing, electrical, or or building wise. But as I progressed throughout uh, high school, my teacher approached me my senior year uh, before I was graduating, and he, he asked me what my career plans were. And I really didn't have any intentions to go to, to college. Um, for one, I didn't feel like I could afford it. And for two, I just didn't have that drive to um, be in school. Um, so of course at 18 years old, the question was asked, do I want to make money or do I want to go to college? And of course, 18 years old, my <laughs> thought process was, well, I want to make money. So, um, throughout my senior year, he, he put me in with a contractor, a uh, local contractor where I was building houses. So I was able to work my high, last senior year in high school, uh, doing some non-union residential work. And then when I uh, graduated, he um, helped me get on at, with a contractor and uh, so at 19 years old i was already um you know 
living with health insurance and, and full benefits for my family, you know, future family at the time. Um, so I was looking forward to that. And I knew my schooling was free, um, you know, through the apprenticeship program. And it just changed my mindset of what I wanted to be in life after that. Yeah, absolutely. And you've done a lot within the union. You've advanced now. Um, what's sort of been your inspiration for that? Well, I think the biggest thing to me is um, being a union member has always taught me pride. Um, it's always given me a sense of belonging to something. Uh, it's a learning and growing experience with new advancements and technologies. Uh, we're always trying to be on top of things. Um, and we're always training. So it's definitely given the upper hand to somebody like me who didn't have a, a path, so to speak, out of high school. Um, and I never in a million years thought that I would be a representative for uh, such a great union, um, but I'm proud of it. I always present myself to uh, be a member first, and, uh, and I want to continue to do the best for the members and the local. Absolutely. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you have a favorite project or anything you've worked on over the last 20 years? You know, um, I, I can say that the, the, um, uh, it's the State Farm Center. Um, I, I was able to work on that. Um, we've, done a couple cool. high, we've, we've done a couple high rises that came into Champaign for the first time that I was able to work on. So there's been a, a lot of very good projects that I can go around town and, and show that I've been on and be very proud of it. Um, you know, especially at 19, 20 years old and working on those projects in the early years really makes it um, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you can be like, I did that one and that one. <laughs> sure. sure. That's awesome. Um, and so in the last few years, you know, 2020, the COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, obviously a difficult time for everyone. How did that impact you and, you know, kind of what were you feeling when that started and, and as it progressed? Uh, COVID. Um, well, I was I was newly on staff then. Um, so what was happening around us, myself and the other agent for this local, uh, we were doing the best with the unknown, you know. Um, and, you know, our members had questions, our families had questions, and um, we ultimately didn't have the answers, you know, when it first came about. But uh, it was also the start of the falling apart of my life. Um, I was uh, hit with my third divorce and uh, that's when things took a turn for the worse for me. Um, it, uh, it was hard to, to not show emotion coming to work every day. But uh, ultimately, people around me could see it. Um, it's hard to hide emotion. It's hard to hide hurt, pain. And uh, it really took a toll. Uh, COVID, divorce, um, you know, when you're sitting, it, it really made it very, very tough. And I couldn't hide it anymore. So yeah. that sounds like a lot to be experiencing all at once. Yeah. And then you did reach out to get help. What was the motivation? What was the push to, to reach out for you? Well, you know, we always hear um, it, it could be a family member. It could be a coworker. It could be somebody who was, you know, has committed suicide or 
taken their own life. Um, I was there, you know, I, I was at that moment. Um, I felt like uh, my turning point was at the very bottom. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter what family was around or friends or coworkers. Um, they were great support, don't get me wrong, but ultimately they weren't the turning point that I needed to um, say, hey, I've got a problem. I need to understand what's going on with myself. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have one of our one of my coworkers that, that that checked on me regularly say, "Hey, there is resources." Um, at the time, you know, bringing up COVID, it was so hard to get into counseling. And here I was facing um, a divorce, the third divorce, you know, a failure divorce of of just feeling failure, um, starting a new career, um, and it ultimately. Um, was really, really tough to get in to see a counselor. Um, they were months out. And if you can imagine being in that position and I, and I sit and I think about, you know, we all say how selfish it is for people to take their own lives. But when you're in that position, you don't know it until you face it. And I was there. Um, and I was glad the resources were there um, because the next day they, they reached out and uh, I spent uh, a lot of time regaining back what um, was lost um, and that was myself. Um, these people, like I said, family, friends, co-workers, they're there but they're not the person you need to talk to. And um, I was I was fortunate, it was the right time. And um, just very thankful, um, like I said, because some people don't get that chance. Yeah, it's very true. I'm glad that you were able to get to someone and get the help that you needed. Sure. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest lessons you've learned since you started working with a counselor? They're just a phone call away. Um, pick up the phone. That's the biggest thing. Um, it doesn't really matter how dark or how things may seem, you know, a phone call could be a life changer. And uh, um, I thank God to this day that that phone call um, that I made was there. And so to any member, to any family member of members, um, we, we've got the resources out there. Uh, Mid-America uh, Carpenters Regional Council has given us some great resources. Um, and if it's not through us, a church, uh, you know, any other place um, is a phone call away. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, with our the new um, mental health partner, Lyra Health, I know they have a ton of resources. They have phone numbers you can call pretty much 24 hours a day. You get 12 free sessions now with a counselor. So lots of great stuff out there. You know, and I, uh, you know, from what my daughter um, has been through in her life, um, she's going to be taking advantage of it as well. So um, it's an effort put forth that I'm very thankful that we've got because um, most industries don't have that. Um, the resources that, that are offered just are um, just of great value, not only as being a good worker for the workforce, but being a, a steward for your family, you know, um, and and finding out 
um, and gaining from that issues that you may have. Yeah. Um, you know, if you were, you know, in a conversation with, you know, a coworker and you, you know, saw them kind of on the edge of, you know, should I reach out? Should I not, you know, just not sure what, what advice would you give to them if they're considering this? Well, I think that, you know, no matter, like I said before, no matter if it's a friend or a family member or whatever, um, if I, you can tell when somebody's not right. If you're a coworker around somebody, you can tell um, their their demeanor changes, their ways change, they're late to work there. So the signs are there um, and, and just be an open hand, be an open, you know, um, ear for them and try your best to get them the proper information to get help. Um, you know, I know around here we're, we answer our phones 24 seven. Um, and I want to be that value to the members is, uh, the main reason why I'm doing this is because a lot of hurt in 46 years can benefit somebody, um, that may be going through the same thing. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, as we look forward and, and sort of what's next, what are you hopeful for next? What do you see as the exciting things that you're looking forward to? I look forward to just doing the best of my ability um, and taking advantage of, you know, the words of encouragement from others. Uh, a lot of times I cut myself short on uh, who I am. And uh, I think a lot of people do that. I think when they get in a state of mind that they have no value or maybe they're not, um, you know, we all deal with layoffs. We all deal with, um, you know, maybe um, things are tough at home, but ultimately you are an asset to your family, to your contractor, to the local unions, you know, to the, the organization in itself and um, to just be a big part of it or just to be a small, I should say, just to be a small part of that um, is better than nothing. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. I know that it's, you know, difficult to, you know, be so open and vulnerable, but I, I think that what you shared today, a lot of people can relate to, and it'll hopefully help other people kind of reflect on, you know, their own situation, maybe reach out and get some help, help as well. So thank you so much for being here and, and sharing. Thank you. And, and like I said, you know, uh, ultimately, when you're in the state of mind that you're in, a phone call is better than anything, you know, so. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. That concludes the first episode of our podcast, MACRC Benefit Fund and Friends. Tune in next month for our next episode.